this week's listener spotlight. Don't sell for average, shoot for the alpha. Even though this show was historically geared towards men, women will also enjoy the awesome personal development advice shared in each episode. Adam is an amazing host whose passion really shines through his interviews. If you're looking for motivation, inspiration, and actionable tips to level up your life, hit the subscribe button. And thank you. That's from Olivia Baker. If you want to be featured on an upcoming show, leave a short written review and I'll give you that shout out. Attention, authors, coaches, speakers. Three, two, one. Amplify your mission. Access training. AYMission.com. And here is your host. He's a best-selling author. TEDx speaker, and was even named one of the top 10 dads in podcasting by Podcast Magazine. Please help me welcome to the stage, Adam Lewis Walker. So this week, we're going to be talking about, is your definition of success ruining your life? We have Mackie Musavi on the line, and she is a transformation, transformational coach, speaker, and author of the High Achievers Guide. So there's lots we can talk about her bio, but I want to hear from the lady herself. Are you ready to amplify your mission today? Oh, absolutely. Let's do it. That was a really brief introduction I did for you. What are you all about? Is there anything you'd like to add or highlight? Sure. So um, I spent 13 years in corporate America. I worked for a healthcare IT company. It was a, I would say, a fairly male-dominated industry. And, uh, you know, my experience there um, taught me a lot about what it means to be in business and, you know, in, in the particular industry that I was in. But also, despite how successful I had become in that space, I found myself feeling very unhappy, um, you know, probably for many, many years before I actually made the decision to leave. I just couldn't figure out why when I had everything that I had set out to gain for myself, that feeling of satisfaction or contentment was just really elusive. And worse yet, it felt like the longer I stayed, um, the worse I felt. And I, it took some real deep personal development to kind of crawl out of that space. But one of the things that I realized as I was doing that was just that there were a lot of things that were driving me that, that helped me create the success but those same things were actually hurting me and working against me. And, and I had to reconcile how I wanted to go forward with what worked and let go of what didn't work. And your book talks about clarifying your limiting beliefs and the outdated mindset and talks about fulfillment. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're going to talk about your definition of success. I mean, mm -hmm. tell us about some of the cause of the book and when did the book come out? The book came out last October. And what I really attempt to do in this book is I, I became an avid consumer of personal development when I was in this space myself. And one of the things that I found is that there's tons of really great content out there by lots of different kinds of authors. The one thing that I did know is that a lot of people who write about personal development um, are often people who are a little more okay with risk maybe than the average person who's working in the corporate structure. And a lot of those people may be naturally entrepreneurial or artistic or have some kind of background that makes them perhaps more open to, to taking chances or breaking free of constructs. In my experience with where I was, how I'm built, the people that I worked with, that's not necessarily a risk-friendly group of people. And I really wanted to write a book about how to help people who were in that space of, you know, earning a salary inside of a certain hierarchical structure, maybe not open to starting their own business, you know, how do you get out of 
the box that has helped create where you have landed, but isn't necessarily working for you anymore. There are just too many people who say, well, this is what it takes to have the things that I have or to, you know, have the zeros in the bank account. So I'm just going to hang out here because I don't know what else to do. And so the book is really about how do you, starting from that place, when you aren't really sure what you want, how do you get clarity about what you want? How do you identify the, how the way that you think is actually limiting you in some ways? How do you learn to use your voice, take chances, trust that what you're doing is putting you on the path even if, when you don't see the evidence? It's kind of the whole path that you can take to start moving forward. Not that you'll be done at the end of the path because none of us are ever done, yeah. but it gives this very specific um, you know, here's where to begin because it's hard to know where to begin. Here's how to keep going, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And what is your definition of success? For me, it is really important that I have something that energizes me, but that also gives me the flexibility and freedom to enjoy my family and the other elements of life outside of professional success that matter. You know, I, I don't, when I was in that place, going on vacation could feel like something to be dreaded, honestly, because what was going to pile up in your absence or, you know, what you were going to have to deal with when you came back became a huge uh, mental, it took up a lot of mental space to think about that. And as I was tuning into these little things like, wow, I feel dread about, you know, going on vacation. I feel, start feeling dread on Sundays when I know I have to get ready for going back to the week. What I really wanted was the sense of mental lightness. And for me, success is what allows me to pursue what matters to me and what feels fulfilling, which is the work that I do now, while creating that mental space of not having to feel as if there's rigidity and a lack of flexibility that puts me inside of a framework that doesn't ultimately work for me holistically. Because all too often people focus on success from a professional standpoint yeah. at the expense of the other areas of life. Definitely. And just to touch on your origins, I know you're in the corporate structure for a long time, but where are you speaking to us from today and where are you originally from? Sure. So I'm um, in Kansas City now, and I actually was born and raised in a small town about two hours west of here, Manhattan, Kansas, which is a little college town. Um, but I, I also lived in uh, the Twin Cities for a while and I lived in Dallas for a while before I actually came back and, and settled here. My parents are um, immigrants, so I'm a first generation American and that definitely has a lot to do with, you know, how I think about success and, and the way that I conceptualize what, what it takes and what I'm supposed to be doing for sure. Ah, where are your parents originally from? Uh, my parents are from Iran. Okay, cool. Good stuff. So when was a time when it's a real challenge for you and you had to fight to awaken your alpha obviously you sounds like you was in the corporate world for a long time and <laughs> hey it may have been an easy decision but I'm, I'm sure it wasn't and that might not be the time something else in your life might have happened where it was a real challenge yeah i, I think that the that the um the corporate place where i found myself struggling was definitely where i felt that urge to awaken my alpha right I, especially as a female in a male dominated you know workplace it, it was very difficult the way that i would show up as a direct communicator and a truth teller was great some people really liked it but there were definitely times when i was told to tone it down to you know soften my edges even though I watched men behave far more aggressively, openly than I was behaving. And that was, that was a big deal for me. I really wanted to be in a space where I didn't have, I wasn't being told constantly 
you know, you need to tone it down. You need to, to, to be a little softer. You need to do all these things when, um, you know, this is who I am. I, I don't want to have to hide that. So that was a huge piece of my exploration around this isn't working for me because I don't actually feel like I can be myself and I need to be in a space where I can be. What's nice about where I am now is that I don't filter myself in the way that I felt like I had to there. And for you talked about your book as well, for people listening in, what practical steps can people go through to, you know, really get a definition of success or find out is, is their definition of success a healthy one for them or, you know, it may be making them miserable or unfulfilled. What kind of practical steps could someone go through? Sure. Yeah. And you know, one, one note I'll make here is, um, I really feel like, because I work with both men and women, I, I feel like one thing that happens to men, especially is that there seem to be a little, there's a, more limitations seemingly in the traditional space of success for men in terms of how they think about it. So, you know, I worked with a ton of men who had status position, um, they were well-paid, and the expectation was that work needed to come first, right? So if, if a lot of those men that I worked with, their wives did not work. If they had families, their wives were taking care of their families, they were doing doctor's appointments and things of that nature. And it was almost the expectation that that would be the structure. You know, if you're a male in the workplace, even if your wife works, your wife is the one who's taking care of family business, running the kids around, doing things of that nature. And I think one of the things that happens is um, men aren't necessarily allowed to explore this idea that like, this isn't really working for me. And if I felt like I was the one who wanted to take a step back, how would I do that? My family is dependent on my out, my income, we already struck this bargain where I'm gonna be the guy that's out there making the money. And they can feel trapped in a very different kind of way where um, everything looks really great on the outside, but doesn't necessarily feel aligned. And it takes maybe a little more digging for some guys to get to that place where they can admit, you know what, this kind of sucks and I don't like it because there is a masculinity construct around being in that space. Yeah. And I would say for anyone who feels like you've had that nagging feeling maybe and you've swept it under the rug because it feels really uncomfortable to, to open the Pandora's box of what it would take to get out of it. What I do in the book is very clearly lay out, you know, if you don't know what you want, that's okay. I think it's natural to have zero idea of what you want when you spend most of your time where you don't want to be. We just don't have clarity. So one of the first things I always recommend is get really clear on what's not working for you, you know, and be specific. Don't just say, this kind of sucks, it feels bad, yeah. but say, you know, I feel trapped, I feel overwhelmed, I'm exhausted, I'm bored. Use very specific language. Once you have that clarity, you can start to see, well, what I crave is, is the opposite of this in a lot of ways. So then you can start finding those adjectives that describe how you would like to feel instead. And having the clarity around that is really important. What I see people do all the time is think, I'm not happy here, so I'm going to go get another job. I'm going to find another place. I'm going to land somewhere different. That only works for a short period of time. So you might benefit from a change of scenery and different people around you, and you're in a learning mode. So we tend to be yeah. sparked when we're learning something new. But ultimately, within six months or when that fades, you will be right back where you started from. Yeah. And I think that's that definitely an important note because, yeah, people are always thinking, you know, change and, but if you don't change some core principles and like you're just changing like for like in a different setting in some ways. Exactly. And if you don't have the clarity, you know, the magical thinking that comes with, well, if I just change the scenery, then I'm going to feel better. Um, that doesn't work. You have to be specific and intentional about what it is that you're trying to create. Otherwise you will just end up in multiple different places where 
you feel dissatisfied, you have to be willing to define what satisfaction is and then get on the path to pursuing it. So that first getting the clarity is really important. And then thinking about what you say to yourself, um, you know, you mentioned limiting beliefs is important as well. You, no matter how successful you are, you have a set of beliefs around what you think you're capable of. And you don't necessarily pay attention to what that is on a daily or hourly basis. It's just like this constant soundtrack that's in your mind and it's very subconscious. Yeah. Beginning to tune into what you're telling yourself is really important. If whenever you think, I don't really like this, a default or knee-jerk reaction is to think, well, you don't have a choice. Or what, you know, what are you going to do instead? And it ends up being this very kind of um, dismissive voice in your head that's telling you you're stuck. Mm. That is very powerful. That is something that you've been living with for a long time. And, and having the skill to both wake up to that, to be conscious instead of letting it play in the background and learning to interrupt those thoughts and replace them with different thoughts is a huge piece of changing the way that you think about what's possible for your life. Do you have any thoughts on, on how people identify these limiting beliefs and then how can they start to, you know, start to break them down and throw doubt on them beliefs? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, because it can be hard to tune into that. Sometimes I tell people to, to look at really mundane things, actually, to, to start to pay attention. So, for instance, if you're somebody who is consistent, consistently misplacing your keys and you're looking for your keys and you're frantic because you're trying to leave, you know, what are you saying to yourself in that moment? Um, oh, I'm such a dummy. I'm always misplacing my stuff. You know, I'm so disorganized. This is always happening to me because I'm so disorganized, right? Those are those thoughts that um, it's like, oh, wow, I, I'm saying some things to myself that actually aren't helpful. Um, and I'm also saying them as if they are core to who I am instead of something that can be addressed and changed, right? So it's in those moments where we tend to have these knee-jerk frustrated reactions that we can see what we're saying to ourselves is kind of not helpful at all, right? <laughs> so um, starting to pay attention to that. And I, I would say the other thing to think about and look at is habits. Yeah. Um, if you're somebody who worries a lot, that's a really good place to, to pay attention. You know, what are you worrying about? Sometimes people worry about things that don't matter at all. You know, like, um, for instance, I had a client who would say he would be really excited to go sit at his son's baseball game and would be looking forward to it. And then he would think, what if it rains? Well, then it's not going to be that fun to sit there. And, and what if, and then it's going to get rained out and then they're going to reschedule it. And then how am I going to make sure I can make it? And like the, just the kind of doom and gloom scenario that he would descend into was a big clue that, um, you know, anxiety and worry and expecting the worst is a limiting construct that needs to be addressed for you. Yeah. And I see it in your book as well as one of the key points you talk about making space for these, you know, these new mindsets. I mean, what are your thoughts around that? concept mm -hmm. like these great ideas you're talking about but what how do you practically or you know more efficiently make space for this new mindset sure i think that sometimes what happens with people is um you, we become so accustomed to the routines that we're in and we don't it's hard for us to conceive of how do i let go of certain things situations people you know places whatever's not working for us we tend to put those in the category of losses. So let's say for instance, you're in a tough uh, situation with a friendship or a coworker and you have, find it very difficult to express yourself because you're worried that if you say the words out loud that you're going to lose this relationship, this person's going to go away or this situation's going to go away, perhaps you're afraid of losing your job. 
that that specter of loss is something that weighs heavily on a lot of us. But often when we lose, lose something, what we're really doing is making space for something new to come in. And especially if the thing that you're losing or letting go of hasn't really been working for you, that takes up a lot of mental space. It takes up a lot of energy in your life. And when it's not there anymore, you really do have the ability to welcome new things in ways that maybe you hadn't conceived of. One example that I like to talk about with people is um, sometimes if you've lost a job, for instance, that can feel really scary. Um, it can feel like a very disruptive change in your life. Even if the job you were in wasn't necessarily great, you weren't necessarily happy there. At times, if you need to course correct, life is gonna course correct for you. If you're not going to make a decision to let go of something that's not working for you, it may go away anyway. And the, the reason it does that is to create that space. Often, if you look back at an event like that in your life, whether it was the loss of a job, a friendship, a relationship, you can see in hindsight that it benefited you ultimately. So that, that concept of being able to look at something as a potential opportunity, even if it doesn't feel good in the moment, like if this thing goes away, what am I gonna do? If you can view it as a, a, a way to create space in your life for better things to come in, that's a much more empowered mindset. And, and the key is to be able to try to do that in the moment instead of having to be five years down the road looking back to see that it was actually a good thing. Definitely. I just wanted to share this little bit. This is actually behind the scenes when we first got on the call. She's sharing me. She was just listening to an episode. So... This is one that she enjoyed. So I thought I'd pop this little bit of kind of behind the scenes into the episode as well. The episode she's actually referencing here is episode 429 back in. Let me have a look at this. 429 back from September 21st, 2020. Um, and this is called Protect Your Kids from Tech Addiction. Kathy Van Benthusen. I thought I couldn't put that in without clarifying what this episode is she she was just enjoying so if you like the sound of this that is maybe another one to queue up for you you can jump back it's all there we have the last 500 episodes all ready for you to go through and pick out your favorite and let me know and as i said leave a review and i'll give you a shout out on the show so anyway as we started the call this is what mackie had to say about what she'd recently been listening to I was just actually catching up on, um, I was listening to your interview, the technology interview that you did with a teacher who was talking about trying to keep your kids from being addicted to tech. And I was like, definitely need that one, especially now <laughs> since they're not in school. Yes, yes, 100%. Yeah, I was, yeah. Paying, yeah, I was paying attention to that one. Yeah, I'm like, whoa, because I'm always always wary of that anyway. And then after that, I was like, well, we need to tighten yeah. things up because it's, it's, it's tricky as well. Because once, once you, you know, they get hold of something as well, it's really hard to kind of rein it back. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, exactly. I kind of wish technology would go away. Um, but my 12 year old just started middle school and I, we just got her a phone. Um, but she's not allowed to have social media or anything on it so we, yeah. we talk about that a lot <laughs> yeah my, no, my my oldest is 10 and uh -huh. like he had his friend around here yesterday and his friend had a phone and stuff like that and um yeah i'm just like man well i've chucked out especially after that i've chucked out so i've said hey you're not getting it until you're like 14 or something like that yeah he, so, <laughs> yeah, so if we get good. him at like 12 or 13 or anything wow we're generous but yeah i think yeah. i'm aiming for him to be the weirdo who's like the last kid in his class to get one so hey. when everyone else is dropped, then, then we think about it. <laughs> That's right. If being weird protects your brain, it's cool. Like, let's do that. 
is there a particular quote that really sums up your approach to life or just an all-time favorite quote, the sort of thing you might have up on your office? Is there anything that springs to mind? Sure. Um, I actually think, I don't know who said this, but it, this was a quote, <clears throat> excuse me, on the wall of my English teacher's room when I was a freshman. And it said, don't, um, don't just pray rowboat to short. And I thought that was such a powerful quote because it really requires the person to take action in order to make change, right? So you, you can pray and you can meditate and you can think positively and all of those things are wonderful, but unless you're willing to take the steps that need to be taken, you know, you're, you're not gonna get very far. And when it comes to books, was there ever an impactful book? Maybe you read it at the right time or it's just, when someone puts you on the spot like this, it's maybe one of the books you recommend. Yeah. Um, my favorite book to recommend is The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. Oh, I, just, I love that one. Yeah. That is such an awesome book about fear. And I read it at exactly the moment when I needed it, you know, so I, that's one I recommend all the time. Yeah. I mean, when he talks about resistance in that one. Oh. Uh, it's, it's, so so good. if anyone's writing a book or doing a project or trying to get something out there, that's, I think that's really, uh, yeah, he nails it. Absolutely nails that one. Great book. Mm -hmm. um, and from your network, having gone through a lot of the interview, who would you think that person have you know, a lot of value to share? Does anyone spring to mind? Oh, that's a good question. And wow. if no one springs to mind, who would be your ideal guest that you would want to tune in and listen to? Not from your network. Right. Not from my network. Um, you know, I, this is going to sound strange um, because a lot of people know her, but Brene Brown comes to mind. And let me tell you why. It's because the way that she became known through the TED talk that went viral, mm -hmm. she really didn't want that. You know, she really wasn't craving that outcome. She wasn't seeking to be in the spotlight, um, but she has embraced it since then. And I think that there, I can't even imagine, um, you know, the personal development journey that had to take place between being kind of thrust into the spotlight, um, to get to that point where she could accept it and embrace it and do what she's doing now. So I think for me, it's really interesting to look at people who they have to make these big pivots or big shifts in their thinking or just the way that they live in order to accommodate something they weren't expecting to happen to them. Um, I also kind of think of Lewis Howes because I, I was listening to him a lot when I was in my corporate job and, and just his story and, and how, you know, things just were not going the way he wanted them to go at all. And so having to really suck it up and find a way to move forward. Those are the stories that really inspire me. Awesome. And if people want to continue the conversation, what's the best way for them to connect with you? Yeah. Um, you can find me at my website and contact me there. Um, my email as well is really easy. It's just my name at my first and last name.com and um, you can follow me on social and just kind of everywhere that you normally find people. Cool. And we'll put all that in the show notes as well. And when it comes to all that we've been talking about and the high achievers guidebook, is there anything else you feel like you want to leave the listeners with? Is there anything that we, you wished I'd asked and we haven't really covered? Yeah. I'll just say that, um, you know, when people are unhappy, they are very self-focused. Yeah. And we are living in a time where we really need people to be paying attention to the collective. And the more, the better you are and the more okay you are in your own life, the more bandwidth you have to do that. And, and that really is, I think, the core of what I'm hoping to help people do is to 
get out of their own misery, their own unhappiness, not just so that they can be happier, but that so they can also tune in to the rest of what the you know the world needs um so that we, in whatever way that we can we have some energy and attention that we can share yeah no i was thinking there you know when you if you you know if you are feeling down a little bit and you're very within yourself and it's all about yourself as well sometimes if you can't help yourself in a certain way something it's nice to just go and do that you know help mm-hmm. someone else out make them smile um, just because you can't help yourself <laughs> and that makes you feel better and it would take your mind exactly. off yourself for a little bit exactly <laughs> so yeah i i agree and i i that you know we just live in a really interesting world right now so if you can find a way to be better and um and then show up more broadly then i think that's a win what's the future for you what's next for you any more books in the pipeline or I, I think you, a TEDx for you, a TEDx talk for you down the line and what would you Yeah, actually, it's funny you should ask. I am interested in TEDx and I set up some time to talk to you about that. Um, but I, uh, what I'm doing next is I'm, I'm designing an online course because I really do want to help people rewrite their success blueprint and learn how to set goals that will move them forward, which is very different from most of what's taught about that. And just continue to to work with people. I think another book is in the is in the pipeline at some point. I'm not focusing overly on that, but I and I do have a YouTube channel as well. So I just started one not too long ago. But I think putting out this kind of, kind of content in another medium, you know, just to reach people where they are, is something that I'd like to do. Uh, I don't want to date this interview, but what has been your biggest challenge in 2020? Biggest challenge in 2020 has really been just being finding a way to cope with long-term uncertainty you know i don't think that human beings are are built to deal with uncertainty that just goes on and on right we can deal with it for short periods of time and i think a lot of us kind of had that fight or flight response in march when a lot of places started to to lock down but now we're still where we are and we are just not really built for this. So I think for me, just finding my personal coping skills around the benefits that this period of time has brought along with the tragedies, of course, has been really important. And and helping my own clients walk through some of that has been important as well. It's an interesting period of time that I don't think we'll ever experience again, I hope, in the rest of our lifetimes. So it's like, how can you take advantage of it? Um, while also acknowledging that on some levels, it just kind of sucks. We just yeah. have to find a way to, <laughs> to get through it. Totally. Yeah. No, it's interesting. You said long-term success, uh, long-term uncertainty. I think it's spot on because first six months I was thinking, oh, it's all right. But I think a lot of people just had it and said, oh, come September or like November, it'd be, you know, six months we can, right. we can handle that. But it's just like the, it's going on and on and who yeah. knows, but hopefully by the time this comes out, it'll all be good. <laughs> or, right. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, Mackie, it's been an absolute pleasure today. Thank you so much for spending the time. Thanks, Adam. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Attention, authors, coaches, speakers. Make sure to join our Amplifying Your Mission community on Facebook. Get all your questions answered. Thank you for your cooperation. All right. Have a great week. Amplify your message and amplify your mission. System shutdown. Three, two, one.